0: Well, you can be seated. So he's been teaching on pay attention. And the Lord reminded me of this saying, you all know it's in Corinthians, evil communications corrupt good manners. And everybody knows what that means. Well, some of you do. Some of you listen to your moms, and some of you put your fingers in your, your ears when she said something. Don't run with those kids. They're bad influences on you they're a bad influence if you hang around those kids you're going to start acting bad you know that? how many of you's mama told you that? no you can't go with them that's a bad crowd and it's kind of like the way the world is right now there's turmoil in the world there's unrest in the world there's division in the world there's sadness in the world there's agitation in the world And it just seems like it's just all around us. It seems like just almost everybody you come in contact with is sad. They're not smiling. They're not full of joy. They're dealing with stuff. I remember... After Keith and I got married, you know, we went to Rhema. And I remember... I didn't first go to Ramah, and I didn't second go to Ramah. Well, uh, I worked for a doctor's office, and then after that, I felt like I was supposed to. The Lord dealt with me. I remember it specifically, that I was supposed to quit the job that I was doing and go and help at Ramah, just like what he was doing. Because, you know, it, we had gotten to a point to where um, his salary was... We were being able to tithe off of it, and we weren't just scraping by like we were when we first started. But that I was supposed to go and help Miss Lynette and Ken Jr. and I, so I went and talked to her, and she was, of course, happy. And so I was kind of over the admissions office at the time. And um, where's Cherie? She usually sits right over here. Is she? She's in class. Okay. Well, she um, she worked for me in the admissions office, and um, So, but we worked in the admissions office and we had like, during that time, there was like 2,000, 3,000 students. So being over the admissions office and being the dean's assistant and secretary and stuff, um, what you dealt with on a regular basis, you would think were glorious things. This is a Bible school. What could be wrong in a Bible school? Everybody's coming there and they just love God. And they just want to serve God. And everything's just great and grand because this is a Bible school. And everybody just walks in love at a Bible school. Right? Right? I mean, because if you're coming to Bible school, you're coming to go into the ministry. And you know the first qualification for a minister is what? To walk in love. (laughs) And so you would think that everybody would just walk in love with everybody. Well, they didn't get that their first day. (laughs) And they didn't get that their second day. And they didn't get that their third day. And they didn't get that their first year. And they didn't even get it their second year. And there was so much turmoil with students. There was everything from husbands and wives fighting to people coming up and a lady. They would get to class late because the ladies couldn't get ready on time, which is another subject we won't go into. But you're never going to be in the ministry if you can't be ready on time. And, see, you're not even laughing, but it's true. And so they had to park in what was the blue parking places, which happened to be the instructor parking places or the employee parking places. So every time they would park in them, they would get a ticket. And if they got one more ticket, they were going to be kicked out of school. So this particular day, they had to park in the gravel parking lot because they got there late. And him and her were at odds with each other, and they were fighting and fighting and fighting, and they got come up to the school, and, and the teacher, whoever their teacher was, sent them to the office. I said, what are y'all here for? They said, because we were having a spat. I said, well, what was what y'all having a spat? So I got pastoral training long before we were ever pastors. What were y'all having a spat over? Well, she's mad because I parked in the gravel lot and she scratched her expensive heels and she's not going to class. I said, Well, why did you park in the gravel parking lot? Because we were late. Well, why were you late? Because she spent an hour and a half changing clothes. So, I mean, it's just the same old, same old, you know. And that's one of the scenarios. Then you got roommates. She ate my leftover fried chicken. Okay, or or she was loud and playing music and I couldn't sleep or just everything under the sun that you could think of or she didn't pay her rent or she didn't make her bed or she left this out in the living room or just anything that you could think of or this student is standing on a table in a restaurant preaching to people Or this student thinks God can save him from everything and he's laying across the railroad tracks. God's going to pick him up and take him and translate him somewhere. I mean, we dealt with everything. Oh, and then there's one that he can't go anywhere because, let's see, who all was after him? Everybody from the CIA to the mafia to the devils to the... and everything with aluminum foil. He had aluminum foil on everything from his windows to his coffee cups to his... because they were tracking him. (laughs) Now, I dealt with that every single day from the time I got there to the time I went home. Every day. Every day. Every day. I didn't get to hear the good stuff. Do you understand? I didn't get to hear the good preaching. I didn't get to hear the gospel of John. I didn't get to hear Christ the healer. I didn't get to hear all the good things that were going on in the class about the Bible. All I got to hear was the negative. So I came away negative. And people were negative. Anybody that was serving God was negative. negative. So anybody that came to me for anything, bless their heart, They were in the wrong before they ever walked through the door. You ever seen that show, Judge Judy? Everybody's wrong before they ever come in the courtroom. She just decides which one of them is the worst wrong. It's the truth. And that was kind of the way it was with me. Because everybody was wrong. I never saw anybody as being good. I saw everybody as being bad. Because the evil communications that I was around had corrupted me. And that spirit of everybody blaming everybody for everything had gotten on me. And that's all I heard was the negative. And I'd go home and try to tell Keith. He said, I don't see that, Phil. Maybe that's 1% of the student body that you're dealing with every day. But man, what I hear is good and people are going out and they're doing this and they're... I said, "Uh uh-uh, not the people I see. (laughs) Tell them people to come by and say hi. (laughs) Uh Because I don't see them. But thank God... I I quit working there and I spent two years in class, and I got away from that side. I said, Hey, I gotta quit this, and I got in class and I sat there and I listened for two years. But I was smart. See, I think I've told you this before. I worked in the admissions office first for years, and I got all the answers to all the tests, and then I went to school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah blonde she is but smart she is (laughs) yeah when you get negative all the time everybody that you come in contact with you respond that way your brain begins to think that way you put on gray colored glasses instead of rose ones You begin to see people in a negative light. If somebody's done you wrong, everybody in that way is wrong. If you're divorced, a lot of guys are wrong. If you've been done wrong on the job, a lot of bosses are wrong. If you've been mistreated as a child, a lot of parents are wrong. You understand what I'm saying? And it's really, really, really difficult, if you hang on to that, to ever change. Sometimes you have to distance yourself from that to ever see the bright side of things. And I'm so thankful that I went to school for two years. And then we got in Brother Hagen's meetings for year after year after year after year and i didn't have to really deal with people i just got to see people in the good for years before we started pastoring say thank you lord oh, yes. because i got to do a change during that time and i began to see people and and began to to see people the way that God saw people that overall people were good overall most people just wanted to make it through the day overall most people just wanted to pay their bills and be happy they weren't trying to cause a bunch of trouble But I had decided that they did. But I need to go back and tell you how I got there. It didn't just happen. Let's read a couple of scriptures. Just as evil communications corrupt good manners, good communications can give good manners <coughs> hanging around good things can change your attitude in the other way it can change your heart in the other way Turn with me if you would to uh, John 14:27 just as the evil communications, will give you unrest and turmoil and agitation and unstable yo-yo lives. Then spending time with Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, the Word will give you peace, good judgment, and balance in your life. Look at this with me. Jesus said peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And James 3.18 real quickly. Now we're not going to turn to a lot of scriptures so just relax just for a second. James 3.18 in the NIV says this. Just the first little phrase. Just look up at the screen. You can even put your Bibles away because we're not going to really turn to it. Just look up there. They got it for us. It says peacemakers do what? so in peace. I think that's kind of what I wasn't doing. I was, like I said, I was believing that every person was bad. And when you go into a situation believing it's going to be this way before you ever get there, it's going to be that way before you ever get there. It's always this way for me. Well, it's always going to be that way for you. You have this mentality before you ever get there that it's going to be bad. Well, it's going to be bad. You have this mentality that all Christians are this way. Well, then all Christians are, are that way. You're going to come. That's the people that are going to come across your path. Keith and I were working at the same place. Do you understand that? And everybody that he came in contact with were great, and they were going out, and they were starting churches, and they were full of life and full of joy and happy and doing great for the ministries, their ministries, and everybody I was coming in contact with were nutty as a fruitcake. (laughs) So, uh, what was going on? We were—it was like living in two different worlds, and we weren't. Our offices weren't as far apart as. Here to the back of the platform there. What was going on? It was how we were viewing it. And it was who we were having to... I was believing, okay, who am I going to have to deal with today? I'd wake up that way. I'd be thinking that way. What mess am I going to have to fix today? Okay. John tells us that we're in this world, but what? We're not of this world. Mm -hmm. That's where our problem comes in. Every day when we get up, say that with me. Every day when I get up, I I need to remind myself, myself. I'm I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And all the mess that goes on around me, I don't have to take part in. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And you may have people around you that are nutty as fruitcakes. But do you know what that verse said? Peace. People can sow peace. And you know, if you turn out all the lights in this room, every single one of them, and you just turn on your phone, you just light up, you just press the button on your phone, and that's all you turn on in here. What's going to happen? Are you going to be able to see that phone no brighter than it is? That's what's going to happen to you in a world full of everybody dark and dreary and down and miserable and sad and depressed and agitated. And it doesn't take a whole lot of you being full of peace or being full of joy or being stable. To rub off on the person that's next to you. But what's happened is we've let them Rub rub off on us. And you know why that is? Because we've been more of this world than we have of that world. Our minds have been more conscious of what's going on in this world than it's been conscious of what's going on with us and Him. It's just like what Keith was saying about me in the office. I was more conscious of all the negative that was going on than he'd come home at night and tell me, do you know that such and such went and started a church? Do you know that this person got healed in class today? Do you know that we had 130-something people get healed of terminal diseases in Christ the Healer today? And I'm like, at this school? (laughs) Because all I was dealing with was the negative. It is your perspective of what's going on around you. Do you know that we had somebody get healed and that and dot and dot? Do you know that somebody got filled with the Holy Spirit today that was at school? Today? Yeah. And he's telling me all these good things because he was seeing the good. I was seeing the bad. Do you know we can make changes in every person's life that's around us but only one way? Instead of going like this all the time, we've got to go vertical. And that may need to be a new word of yours. When you wake up in the morning, say, I'm going vertical today. I'm going vertical. When things are going crazy around you, you just get in your little bubble and go vertical. They will think you're Looney Tunes too. (laughs) But you'll be Looney Tunes in a different way. And you just kind of start talking to the Lord underneath your breath or singing a song that's your favorite hymn or your favorite song. And you don't let it agitate you. And you keep your peace. And you just go vertical, even if your boss is chewing you out, just inside you. Inside you, you take your mind off of all the turmoil around you because I know when they're living in this world, they're going to chew on people. But you keep your peace on the inside because he said he'd give us his peace and you just go vertical and you just look at them, but your eyes are someplace else. You can look at them through these eyes, but the ones on the inside are up. They're going vertical. Or that person that's driving in front of you and they're acting crazy and they're doing stupid things and they're driving erratically. Or that person that's in the line that just did something stupid. Your boss or your spouse that's gone ballistic today because of what they had to put up with at work or what they're having to deal with or all the other things. You just look them square in the eye and go vertical. Let's try it. Let me square in the eye. <laughs> but think about the Lord. Get you something in your mind that when something crazy happens, whether it's a song, that song they were singing, "The Lord is my rock and my high tower. Right. Keith got that at a time like that. It's one of my favorite all-time songs of his. The Lord is my rock and my high tower. That means when the devil's shooting all these darts and everything else at you, you just get up there in your tower and you just stay there and you just look down upon all the stuff he's doing. You say shoot your darts, you can't reach me up here, dude. <laughs> just keep shooting them. Because I'm not of this world. I may be in it, but I'm not of it. And you may can reach this body, but you can't reach this heart. And as long as you go vertical with your heart and your mind, people throwing things at you, people saying things about you, all the agitations, all the things that's hitting your mind, all the tax letters, no matter what it is, you just go vertical and you just let that piece from up there just go right down in here. Just let it saturate you. Are y'all trying it? Did you think of what you were going to think about? Don't just play with me. Stop just a minute and think about it. Because if you don't have something in your heart and mind that you're going to think about the Lord, you're going to either have a scripture, you're going to have a verse, or you're going to have a word, or you're going to have a song. I don't care if they sing, The Lord is my rock. And it goes through your mind. And my high tower. And you just sing that song. Your boss is saying, You're a scum. Why didn't you get that paperwork done? You're an idiot, you know. Or somebody tells you that. You're just smiling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Lord is... Alive. Just in your heart. You don't let it penetrate to this inside of you. That's right. That's it. That's right. Nothing anybody does, nothing anybody says, can get to the heart of you. You control that part of you. Okay? You got it. So what do you do when something attacks you? When something is coming against you, when people around you are all in turmoil and you're hearing negative and you're hearing bad and you're hearing agitation and you're hearing fear and you hear people around you continue to talk about people and gossip about people and you have to be in the same room with them continuously do you know that gossip will rub off on you and you hang around people that gossip all the time what are you going to start doing you get around people that are negative all the time what are you going to start doing negative you're going to be negative Get about, around people that cuss all the time. What are you going to start doing? Do you understand? Whatever you're around, it'll get in you unless you do what? We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We can control our minds and we can control our hearts. We do have to be in this world. We do have to be at a store, or we do have to sit next to somebody in a restaurant, or we do have to stand next to somebody in places. And they can say things and they can do things, but we have to control our own minds and our own hearts. We don't, you have a choice when you're standing there if you perk up your ear and you listen to what they're saying, or you shut it off and you go vertical. That's your choice. Now, if you want to become like that person, then you stand there and you perk up and you listen. And what it's going to do is it's going to be like a sneaky worm that you can't see. And it's just going to go just exactly like this. And it's going to go right from their mouth right into your heart. And you may not start it today. But then the next person that's in a store or the next person that you're around, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to get around that stuff again. Because that's the way the devil works. And he's going to get you around it again. Here it's going to come again and it's going to get right in your heart again. And it won't be long till all the time you're going to be around people that are doing that, gossiping. Then your family's going to start gossiping. And you're going to have to be around your family. And the next thing you're going to know Everything that you say is going to be talking about somebody. Talking bad about somebody. And you're going to think, when did I start doing that? But you have a choice to shut your ear off or shut your mouth off. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your best friend. I don't care if it's your neighbor. I don't care if it's your boss. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care if it's your daddy you understand what I'm saying? If they are negative, if they talk about people, if they're this way, sometimes you do visit your family. But all the time that you're there, all they're doing is what? Gossiping. (laughs) Fighting. Fighting. What's some other things? Talking negative. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You smile and you just go vertical. And I'm going to tell you some ways of doing that. You have the greater one living inside of you. Now, there's a lot of people that tell me all the time, you know what, I can't communicate with God. You know, I I can't feel like I hear God, and I can't feel like He hears me, and I can't feel like I get answers from Him. and, And, you know, well, I'm going to give you... A real way that I, I think you'll get real clear that you can. Now, you know I have two dogs, right? Yes. Okay. I have a little girl dog and a little boy dog. If I had the pictures, I would show I actually I'd probably have them in my phone. But anyway, you've probably seen them already. They're cute. <laughs> and when Keith's gone, they keep me really good company. Well, anyway... This little girl dog and this little boy dog are so different that everybody that gets around them says that she's just like me and he's just like Keith. He's so laid back. If he got any more laid back, it would just be unreal. She just takes anything she wants from him. He, he can be chewing on a bone, and she'll go up and she And take it away from him. He'll just look at me and then just lay down. He don't care. She'll be in a, he'll be in a spot, and she'll just go over there and kind of push him out of the way, and he'll move. He just don't care. He's just so kind and so sweet and just whatever. That's just the way he is. But now her, she's a little bit bossy. <laughs> I told you she was like me. There is no confusion about the fact of what she wants. You are not confused about the fact of if she's hungry, if she wants to go outside, if she wants a drink of water. When they were puppies, we would go for. I would run and I would take a bottle of water with me, and instead of taking some other way of getting them water, well, I would just open the bottle and pour water in the cap and let them drink out of the cap of the bottle. That's logical, isn't it? How many of you think that's logical? Only a quarter of the crowd think it's logical. (laughs) What would you have done? Okay? So I've done that till they're now four years old. So now they've gotten older and they think that the ice cold water out of the refrigerator in the cap, that they don't have to get up out of the chair, that I can just give them the water that's in the ice cold water out of the cap. Okay, I told you, she's lazy. She's spoiled a little bit, okay? (laughs) Keith says you shouldn't tell people that, Phil, but you know me. I tell you everything. But she'll sit there and she'll go, and she'll look at the water bottle. She'll go, and look at the water bottle. And she'll go, and look at the water bottle. Now, are you confused about what she's wanting? Anybody, you think you'd be confused if she, after she's done this 50 times and every time that's what she wants is water from the water bottle. <laughs> or if she comes and stands up behind the chair and she barks at you and then she looks at the door, what do you think she wants? <laughs> she wants to go outside. Or if she comes and stands by, I have the kitchen gated off to where they only can go in the one room, the living room. I have everything else gated and she comes and she stands by the gate and she barks at me she wants something from the kitchen which is her food and I say are you hungry and she spins around and I say are you really hungry And she spins around twice (laughs) what do you think she wants to eat now do you think if you can communicate with a dog If I can communicate with that dog, and there's no confusion. Now, let me tell you one other thing that she does. Keith comes into the bedroom. I don't do this. Now, Keith does this. He's probably not watching because he's tired, so I'm... <laughs> he comes into the bedroom at night. And I don't always give him something at night, but they have these little treats, these little twisted sticks you know and I kid you not she runs and she gets up on the top of the bed and she waits she listens to see if he's coming now the little boy dog again so laid back he comes and he lays on the bed and he just waits for her to take control of everything because he knows she's going to ask for everything he doesn't have to You think I've gotten off course, but you'll catch it here in a minute. And he comes and he hangs. This is the bed. And he comes and he lays his paws off the foot of the bed. And he just looks straight up at where the treats are and waits for Keith patiently. Now, if Keith's 30 minutes, he waits 30 minutes. If Keith's 45, he waits 45. Not her. She begins to bark. And she begins to bark. So then Keith finally comes. When, like, the bag of treats is like on the chest of drawers over here. Keith comes in. He walks over here to this side of the bed. This is the bed. I kid you not. The little dog doesn't weigh 10 pounds. She runs from the middle of the bed, both her paws, gets him and pushes him towards the treats. Pushes (laughs) him toward the treats and barks at him. And then looks at the treats. <laughs> and if he doesn't move immediately, she backs up again as far as she can go and makes a run in run and jumps at him with both paws and pushes him. <laughs> now keeps not little toward the treats and then looks at him. This is an every night routine. And I know she thinks, How dumb are you? We do this every <laughs> night. Why do I have to push you and try to get you to do this for ten minutes every night? Now, is she communicating with him? Is Is he confused that she wants one of those treats that are on that chest of drawers? Now, if a dog can communicate with us and let us know in no uncertain terms... And a donkey can communicate. Like Keith said, how much more can God communicate with us and let us know what He wants? I remember when Keith was first-year Rhema. We had a big decision to make. 98% of the people that we knew, it was the first time that you had to go two years to school to get your diploma. Every other year you got your diploma at the end. I think, no, I'm getting that wrong. You could get your diploma first or second year. You could go one or two years then. It was the last time you could do that though. I think I got that right. Don't hold me to it, okay? It's been 30 years ago. We were trying to make the decision because we never felt like we were gonna stay out there when we went. And it was a big decision. Do we stay? Do we go? Do we stay? Do we go? And we talked about it a little bit, and we talked about it a little bit, and we talked about it a little bit. You know, we were getting absolutely nowhere. And we talked, and we talked, and we were getting absolutely nowhere. And we talked to friends, and... What are you doing? Talk to parents. What do you think? And we were getting... And how many people have done that? They have a big decision to make in their life. And they talk to each other, night and day, and they stress over it. And they stress over it, and then they talk to their parents and they stress some more, and they talk to all their friends, and they stress some more. And they just keep on doing that. And they talk to this one, and then they talk to this one, and they talk to this one, and they talk to mom and dad. And then they talk to their friends, and then they talk to this one. And they're getting nowhere but more confused because everybody has an opinion, and nobody's opinion is the same, and the big deal is, nobody's opinion matters but God. But they don't bother like us talking to God. So I was driving home from work one day, and I was finally talking to God about it. And this is what I felt like the Lord led me to do. I felt like the Lord led me to go home that day. We got off at noon that day. It was a Wednesday. I remember it vividly. I can almost tell you the day. It was a Wednesday, and I felt like the Lord led me to get my Bible out, to go in our bedroom, kneel down on the floor, and read the book of Acts out loud. So I did that. I got down on my knees... I started out, and I read the book of Acts out loud. Now, why would the Lord have you do that? I know now why, because I was so dumb then. I was very young. You remember, I hadn't even been to Ramah yet. I was still working the secular job then. Why would the Lord have you do that? Anybody, anybody. There you go. So that you would get out of your own head. Because we are in this world. And sometimes it just takes a little bit to turn these things off. And if you were reading out loud, he was very specific. There was nothing just real, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Supernatural uh, manifestation about me reading out loud. It was for my benefit to get my mind in sync with Him. Because we go 100 miles an hour in 100 different directions most of the time. And and we run in our prayer closet and we say, Lord, what about this? What about this? What about this? Yes, that's the answer. Okay, glory to God. 30 seconds later, we're out. And it wasn't no more God than it was... When you asked him 30 minutes before that when you weren't praying. You didn't hear from him. You got to do something to disconnect from the world and connect to God. There's got to be a disconnect from the two. And then after I did that, I prayed in the spirit for about four hours. And at the end of that, I'll never forget it. I wish I could quote it word for word now. I think I have it written down somewhere, but probably was in Branson if I did have it. I remember this much, bits and pieces of it. You started on a journey to learn about my son. Uh, Something to that effect is how it started out. Um, I know it ended this way. That we weren't supposed to leave because during this next year there's going to be a turn and he, he was talking about Keith and when he makes this turn he's going to connect in a way that I have a plan for him and during this time much more of my glory I'm going to unfold. And much more of my word to him will be told. And I wrote it down. And his life will be changed. And he will be in a different vein. And it was in second year when Brother Hagen started healing school. And it was in second year when our life changed in a total different direction and course from that day to this. And I know that during that very same time, Keith was getting the very same thing. Now, the reason that I'm telling you these things is we are in this world. But we're not of this world. And if we try to get our answers and our decisions and all the important things in our lives the same way the world gets their things, we're going to miss it, guys, left. And we're going to miss it right We've got to do it God's way and find out about hearing from him the way that he tells us. And when he tells you to do something like that, you find that you it can seem stupid. But stupid to the world is godly to God. What did it what what would it have hurt me to do that had I not even have heard? To read Acts and pray. Well what? what's that gonna hurt me? But it changed a course and a direction for our lives. Now this is the point I've been trying to get to all night long. When you're praying, I want to see, I want you to see something that I don't know if most people have seen. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Good communications change your life forever. Let me tell you why. When you are praying and you're praying in the spirit like what was happening with me that day, you might want to write this down. If you got a pen and paper, it'll be on the tape if not. Number one. You are praying to the Father. You're going to get it here in just a second. Number two, you are praying in Jesus' name. Number three, you're praying in the Holy Spirit. And number four, you're praying his word. Who would you rather fellowship than with than God the Father, Jesus His Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God? Who would you rather fellowship with than those four? Nobody. You fellowship with God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and you pray the Word, which is the will of God, your life will be changed forever. Nothing you desire will be withheld from you. You will see and hear and know and understand everything. You're fellowshipping with the God Almighty, the greatest of all. I mean, there's nothing greater. No one knows a better plan for your life than He does. No one knows the answer to your life than He does. How quickly can things change? Let me just uh, tell you uh, what just came up. uh, Okay, say somebody's starving to death. How quickly could he send a person with food across their path? And they not be starving anymore. What if somebody's broke? Same thing as starving. What if they've got to pay their bills? How quickly could God send another person? If He's the God of the universe across their path, what He needs is for you to line up with Him and get vertical. And if He says, get in your car and go to Target... That's all he needs is two people that will get in fellowship with him and both of them hear what he says and then do what he says and that's all it takes is if you get in your car and go to Target and she gets in her car and goes to Target and you run into each other in the aisle and God then talks to you and says, give her $100 or talk about this business deal with her. Or do this, or do, that's all it takes. But the problem that we have is everybody is staying naturally in this world. They're doing it the world's way. But we're not of this world, we're of this world. And if we want to work the way this world works, we're not going to get the things that we desire, we're not going to get the answers that we need. The only person that knows the true answer for you is not your spouse, is not your mama, is not your boss. I mean, Keith and I, we, we do talk to each other. But what is better that day that I get that when I'm praying and he comes in and he walks in the door and he says, guess what God told me today? Almost verbatim what he told me. So what is that for you? Confirmation. Confirmation. If we'll go vertical in every situation that we have in our lives and we'll just go to the Father with it, we'll find out why how, how He's telling us to do it. Maybe He doesn't tell you to read Acts out loud, but He's going to tell you something to get your mind out of this world and onto that world mm-hmm. and then to pray. And if we'll do that there won't be anything withheld from us. There's not a devil in hell big enough to overtake God. He tried. And he couldn't do it. The only way you can lose is if you don't hear from him. Are you convinced that if you can hear from God, your situation can change? Well, if you can hear from a dog, dear me, you can hear from God. God. That's all it takes. Pay attention, like Keith is talking about, to what he's telling you to do. If he says, go home, spend two hours just shut up in your room and laying there on your bed and not saying a word, then do that. If he says, go home and read Jude, which is one chapter out loud, do it. Whatever he says to you, Do it, and you'll get the answers that you're looking for. Stand up on your feet. God is a good God, guys. He is not... The devil has had people convinced that God is standing over here, and one of y'all, come here just a minute. Somebody, real quickly, come here. It's like, stand up here with me. (laughs) It's like she's God, okay? (laughs) This is this is my answer right here. Uh I didn't blow my nose on that. That's okay. (laughs) That's my answer, and I want it bad. And she's got her hand closed tight around it, close it. And unless I say exactly the right words, and unless I act exactly right, and unless I do everything exactly right, he's not going to give it to me. That's not God. God's got his hand open like this. And he's saying, I'm standing over here. But you've got to know where he is. You've got to hear, come by here and just pick this up. You've got to know where to go. You've got to know what to do. You've got to know how to do it. And as soon as you know that, he said for us to stay. That's all he said for us to do. We stayed and our whole life changed. He said, go to Branson. Our whole life changed again. We didn't know why go to Branson. He said, go to Florida. Every time we just listen and do, things change. But you got to hear from him. Thank you. Thank you. You got it? You got it. Okay, sing something then.